Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. The Big Brother is watching you, like it or not. What will be the impact of the leaked Pentagon documents revealing U.S.'s spy operations on foes and allies? And proxy wars across the globe can help the U.S. keep its hegemony. My talk with a Swiss sinologist who shared his unique perspective about China. Welcome to The Point, an opinion show coming to you from Beijing. I'm Li Xin. New evidence of the real Big Brother that's watching the world? A trove of Pentagon documents which surfaced on social media since the beginning of March is believed to provide a rare window on the depth of U.S. surveillance worldwide. The over 100-page materials appear to be security briefing slides with intelligence collected through U.S. spy operations on its foes and allies alike, including members of the Five Eye Intelligence Alliance, Israel, the Republic of Korea and Ukraine. Some have described this leak as the largest since Edward Snowden. The Pentagon has not challenged the authenticity of the materials and an interagency team has been set up to, ex to assess the impact of the leak. Some countries affected have denied the authenticity of the documents in apparent defense of their alliances with Washington. So how credible are the materials? What does the leak tell us about the United States and what could be the potential consequences, especially regarding the war in Ukraine. I'm pleased to be joined from North Carolina, the U.S., by Raymond McGovern, a former CIA analyst of 27 years. Ray, it's always good to have you on the show, and thank you very much for joining us. So first of all, having read the material and related uh, media reports, how, authentic, how authentic do the leaked documents look like to you, and uh, who could possibly have leaked them? They are authentic. We need not have wasted any time on that. Who would have leaked them? Somebody with access to the very high top secret material, which is a small universe, and also with access to no foreign, that is disseminated material, not disseminated to foreigners. So this came from the inner sanctum of the Pentagon, uh, it's, it seems. Uh, everyone is uh, treating it as authentic. And the question is, why? Cui bono? Why would someone try to do this? And the answer I would give, you mentioned Ukraine. Uh, the Ukraine is coming to a denouement. There are going to be very, very important decisions made in Washington. And until now, the American people have not known anything about the lies that have been told. Ukraine winning, okay, the Russians losing. And this material shows that that was very much not the case. You, yeah. The Russians are advancing. Can you illustrate a little bit more? I mean, from what I read, obviously, the casualty numbers may be one point that you're referring to. I mean, uh, there are reports about the uh, intelligence briefing slides showing the contrast of uh, casualties between the two, two sides being different from what the Pentagon and other U.S. analysts have been estimating. The opposite, basically, uh, what they're telling the public, public is that Russia has been losing, but actually on these... Uh, um, security slides, the casualty number for the Russian side is smaller. So is that is that what you're talking about? 
It's very low. Uh, this is one one exhibit of this. Now, the other thing to say here is that just because this material is highly classified does not mean that it's correct. For example, there's, there's one figure in there that says uh, Russia has committed 97% of its armed forces to Ukraine. <laughs> Nobody believes that who knows the real world. And yet, uh, some high British official has repeated that. So this is a hodgepodge of serious intelligence communication, uh, intelligence information, and a bunch of press reports. Uh, and it's not very, I'm not very proud to see what has happened to the intelligence but, community because if I were a far policymaker, I would be totally confused. But, and now that confusion is apparent to everyone. So basically you're saying these material, these leaked documents appear authentic to you and nobody has really challenged the content of it. But on the other hand, the quality of the intelligence that's been revealed through this document is confusing. It's actually low. Is that what you're saying? That's right. But the main point, the one you made, is that the casualty figures are very revealing because they're not at all the casualty figures that the Pentagon has put forth up till now. So which one should people decide? Which, which one especially should the policymakers, you know, use, rely on? Well, that's just it. The policymakers will be forced now to ask these questions. Is it true that there are an equal number of Russians killed to the Ukrainian army? Of course it's not true. Most of the ratios that I've seen are seven to one. Seven Ukrainians killed for every one Russian. I don't, I don't delight in that, but those are the facts. And what the policymakers need to know are the facts and so far the intelligence probably has been so corrupted and so slanted not to tell the policymakers what they don't want to hear hmm. well we also have the white house national security council spokesperson john kirby asking the press to apparently downplay the leaks let's take a listen to this uh, again without confirming the validity of the documents this is information that has no business in the public domain it has no business, if you don't mind me saying, uh, on the pages of, uh, of uh, front pages of, of newspapers or on television. It is not intended for public uh, consumption, uh, and it should not be out there. So, Ray, what do you make of uh, Mr. Kirby asking the press not to basically, you know, to limit what they can write, what they should write? Well, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, okay? It's out. The real question is why the New York Times decided in the Washington Post to run with the story. They could easily have suppressed it. They've suppressed many a story and it wasn't around. It was just in these obscure websites. So this says to me that mm -hmm. there are lots of important people who have ties with New York Times who wanted this story out. OK, and that's why the New York Times played it. So there's a there's a uh, royale battle here, battle royale within the policymakers as what to do now that we know the Ukrainians are not winning and that the Russians could go as far as the Dnieper River. And what do we do then? The time to plan that is now. Somebody released this information, in my view, to force the policymakers and the American people not to be surprised uh, when serious decisions have to be made on the basis of real evidence, not concocted, concocted uh, figures such as we've seen so far. So um, on the other point, which many countries have uh, complained, is the fact that the U.S. is spying on them and they 
you know, whether they truly believed in that or not, they thought that the U.S. should not be eavesdropping on them because they are allies. For instance, we have seen reports about Israel's Mossad's being target of the spy operation and the uh, uh, South Koreans uh, being um, you know, overheard on what they, how they can uh, skirt around the US, their domestic laws to comply with U.S. demand to to supply weapons to Ukraine. What do you make of the United States' behavior of uh, eavesdropping on their allies consistently, basically, despite repeated complaints from its allies? Well, for an intelligence operator, there's no such thing as a friendly ally. There's no such thing. As a, as a country against whom you will not collect information, okay? There's no friendly intelligence service. So this will come as no surprise, especially to Mossad. The South Koreans, well, that's different. Uh, this has to do with very sensitive electronic information, <clears throat> which is actually forbid by another law in the United States. Uh, they won't like to hear that, but, you know, they will not be all that surprised. And their reaction so far has been quite muted. What do you, so one, one thing that we um, picked up from the media reports, for instance, is the signals intelligence. Um, can you help us understand a little bit more, Ray, uh, what the signals intelligence is all about? And, you know, the United States, of course, is spying on everybody, but uh, what are some of the restrictions? Are there any restrictions? None for the CIA. <clears throat> there are certain restrictions for the National Security Agency not to collect such information on American citizens in the United States, but otherwise no prohibitions. So everything from cell phones uh, to very sophisticated intercepts uh, of satellite communications, that all qualifies as signals intelligence. And as I just mentioned, this is very serious because there is a separate statute that forbids the release of this and you can go to jail for a very long time if you violate that statute. Okay. We uh, can talk to Professor Rick Dunham, who is co-director of the Global Business Journalism Program at Tsinghua University. Rick, thank you very much for joining us. So what is your take on the uh, on what the the leaked Pentagon documents are telling us about the about the United States and how it's operating in terms of, uh, you know, intelligence uh, operations vis-a-vis -vis its allies, especially. Well, I think it's telling us two things. Uh, one is that uh, the United States continues to gather intelligence on allies and foes alike, uh, and, and uh, that ranges from Israel uh, to uh, Egypt to uh, Western European allies and Ukraine. Uh, but it also tells us the United States has really um, made inroads in uh, Russian intelligence, in uh, breaking through uh, the uh, Russian uh, system to uh, figure out whether it's human or signal intelligence, uh, what's, going, what's going on in the Kremlin. But uh, yes, it tells us that the same kinds of things that were happening uh, in the first decade of the 20th century are continuing to happen. United States spying on allies, United States continuing to monitor conversations of leaders of friendly nations. So um, what do you make of the materials that people have been able to see in the leaked documents? For instance, I was just talking to Raymond McGovern, a former yep. CIA analyst, about the quality of the intelligence that's being briefed to U.S. top policymakers. And uh, Ray obviously caused, you know, the quality to be very low. What is your assessment of the kind of information that's being fed to the top uh, policy circles? 
Correct. I, I, I would agree with him uh, from, from the sort of the grading of intelligence by intelligence professionals. But as a former journalist, as someone who covered the White House and has seen a lot of leaks in the past, uh, it's very embarrassing. Uh, it's low quality in that uh, this was basically uh, carried out of the Pentagon probably by uh, a, a staffer uh, in, in, in his or her pocket uh, and then uh, photographed, uh, you know, crumpled up pieces of paper that were then photographed. Uh, but the other question about quality is uh, that, yes, it was out there in the gaming uh, platform in the, in the chat mm -hmm. room, but what was released to the media and on social uh, media may have been doctored uh, and may have been doctored by uh, a country not friendly to the United States, uh, such as Russia, because we don't know if the information contained in what was leaked to the social media is doctored documents. They may have been real documents at one point, but have the numbers been changed? Uh, the, the Biden administration has noted that the casualties for Russia have been lowered uh, than what was on the authentic documents, at least they believe so. Uh, so we, we, don't, we don't know if this, if this uh, information that's been released to the public is authentic. The original documents appear to be authentic, but we don't know if it has been uh, changed uh, and, but alter overall, and altered. By and large, overall, what do you think um, do, does these, uh, this incident tell the U.S. allies, especially foes, of course, you know, uh, be more extra vigilant, but what does it tell to the U.S.'s allies and what can be the yeah. consequences for real battles, you know, such uh, as the one yes. in U Ukraine? I think that what it tell, tells the allies is the United States is sort of always the big brother in the relationship. And it's telling us that big brother's watching you, uh, that, that at any time the United States has capability and probably does uh, collect the intelligence, uh, whether or not okay. it's used against, against them. What it means in Ukraine is that Ukraine is going to have to change some of its strategies. Uh, apparently, some of the Ukrainian air defenses have, have been uh, released to mm -hmm. the world. And, and so, yes, they're going to have to change strategies right. for their spring offensive if they, if, yeah. if they want to be safe. Uh, Raymond, uh, finally, coming back to you, uh, what kind of uh, measures do you think the United States is going to take to, ex to go an extra mile to protect its intelligence? And what could be the consequence of such leaks if, if more document is coming? Keep it short, please. They'll be very careful uh, who goes into these compartmented uh, rooms and who comes out. The real significance of this, of course, is Bono, who profits from the release of this information? This is a bombshell. It will it will lead to a reassessment of U.S. policy in Ukraine. That is big. It couldn't be bigger. All right, we have to leave it there. Many thanks to Raymond McGovern, former CIA analyst, and Professor Rick Dunham, co-director of the Global Business Journalism Program at Tsinghua University. Thank you very much. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, a Swiss scholar said the U.S. cannot have the hegemonic power anymore. Why does he say that? Stay with us. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. German railway company Deutsche Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world.
making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point. The U.S. must understand that it cannot have hegemonic power. They are no longer the first. This was the assessment of Beat Schneider, Professor Emeritus at Bern University of the Arts, Switzerland, a Swiss sinologist who has just published a book on China's modernization. Professor Schneider also mentions China's Global Security Initiative, which focuses on improving global security governance and stability to uphold durable peace and development. He relates the initiative to a historical Chinese cultural concept, Tian Xia, or all under the heaven. What does he mean? Earlier, I had an exclusive interview with Professor Schneider. I started by asking him if he believes that China and the U.S. are already engaged in the new Cold War. Oui, je pense que euh, l'origine de cette de ce, cette guerre froide, c'est pas la Chine. I think China didn't start this Cold War. It's not China that started it. It's the United States that is stuck. They realize that they have lost a large amount of trust in the world, and they have become very nervous. We can say their reaction is understandable, but with time, I give it another 10 years. A balance, an equilibrium, will be found between different global centers, China and the United States. Okay. The United States must understand that it cannot have hegemonic power. They are no longer the first. They are one among others. There is Russia, India, etc. Professor Schneider, you said in your new book that the Iraq war is a U.S. colonization effort. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. En français, oui. Je préfère le français, comme vous remarquez. Alors, je pense, après l'implosion de l'Union soviétique, I think that after the implosion of the Soviet Union in the 1980s, there was only one system left, that of the United States. And given the situation, the President of the United States, George W. Bush, shifted its strategy a little by developing aggressive military policies everywhere because they were the only ones. En développant une politique agressive et militaire partout, parce qu'ils étaient les seuls. Ils étaient, ils ont convaincu 
They engaged in this aggressive policy that started with Panama in 1989, then the two Gulf Wars, then the NATO intervention in Yugoslavia, and then the wars in Libya and Syria. It's a new form of colonialization, a new form of imperialism because they overestimated their own strength because they were apparently the one and only. But that was not true. They did not take China into account. Fukuyama, an American philosopher, spoke of the end of history, saying that now there is no more Soviet Union, only the United States. We are alone, and it's over now. There is no more tension. But he did not notice that with the help of the United States itself, China has developed into a great force, a great state that must be reckoned with. Now, such a thing is no longer possible. C'est plus possible. Une telle chose comme... Ouais, les pays, je pense les pays du tiers monde... Third world countries have noticed that the balance of power has become a reality. It helps them. Third world countries now get the support of their Chinese brother at the UN and in many other places. So I just, I just want to make sure that I understood your last sentence correctly. So the third world in uh, many venues have found their Chinese brother, have, have the support of their Chinese brother. So, so the United States uh, led West cannot colonize these places, yes. colonize these places. Mm -hmm. C'est pour cela, je pense que maintenant, il y a vraiment cette, uh, cette attaque Et ils veulent que, je pense que l'Ouest veut, essaye d'affaiblir. That's why there's this hostility now. I think the West tries to weaken all the forces that want to take a different path. That is why they are spending billions of dollars on weapons to intervene in those countries. Ils attaquent parce que là, ils peuvent affaiblir un petit peu au niveau mondial toutes les forces qui vont un autre chemin. I read China's position on Ukraine, and I found it excellent because it defends the UN Charter. You cannot intervene in another country. It's not right. C'est une bonne position parce que elle défend la charte de l'ONU. Elle dit on peut pas intervenir dans un État. Euh, dans un autre pays, c'est correct, mais il faut, elle dit aussi qu'il faut garantir les intérêts de chaque pays. But it also says that you have to guarantee the interests of each country, including those of the Russians. I think it's a very intelligent stance. 
This stance with China's 12 points on Ukraine, it's extraordinary. And I also studied the Global Security Initiative. And I find it even more important because I think China's Global Security Initiative, also announced by President Xi Jinping, is decisive for the future of the global system. This GSI is, for me, somehow like Tian Sha. I think China and Russia are very close, but not allies. I think China is very wise not to be cornered in a sacred union, an alliance solely between Russia and China, because it's not good, because it creates a new deadlock, two poles, and it's not interesting for China. China wants several poles. So, I think China is very wise to propose peace, talks, and conciliations. And then the Russians must understand that this is the only solution. Et puis les Russes doivent comprendre que c'est la seule solution. Eux aussi. Ouais, la Russie est plus agressive vis-à-vis de l'Ouest que la Chine. Russia is more aggressive than China toward the West. I find it very interesting. The real socialist country is China, but it does two things at the same time. It can negotiate. It can be tough. While the Russians attack and are very aggressive, I can somehow understand they have reasons to do so. But in the long run, I think it's better to calm down and find peace of sorts. I also think China can really be a go-between because of its relations with Ukraine and with Russia, which is extraordinary. Thank you so much, Professor Beat Schneider. It's been a, a true pleasure to hear inside and have this discussion. I really appreciate yeah. it. With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Lu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point. <laughs>